Back in the spring of 1998 at Sports Illustrated, I was begging for assignments. And one area where people were always needed was golf. So one weekend I was sent to Scottsdale, Arizona to cover a tournament called The Tradition. And while I walk in the course, I spotted an obnoxious fan in a Milwaukee Brewers cap heckling a player. I noted so in my piece and jokingly referred to the guy as Robin Yount. Only I didn't put the name Robin Yount in quotes or italics, just Robin Yount. The following week, I was visiting my parents in Mayopac, New York. The phone rang, and my mother, a sports ignoramus, answered. Jeff, she yelled, there's someone calling for you. His name is Robin Yount, and he doesn't sound very happy. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of nine books and the host of Two Writers Sling and Yang, the podcast where one writer, me, talks writing with another writer every single week. Today's episode, live from the Surprise Arizona Barnes & Noble DVD section, features Alec Lewis, the 22-year-old Kansas City Royals beat writer for The Athletic. And we're talking the joys of spring training, whether to believe a ball player's suspension stories, and the sad sight of Willie Wilson, a pen in an empty concourse. This is episode number 145. Let's sling some yam. Dad, your podcast sucks. So Alec, we're sitting in the back of a Barnes & Noble in Surprise, Arizona. And I said to you, I don't want to offend anyone. We're, I said, we need to find a quiet place. And we're literally sitting, it's a go old school Indian style, cross-legged. And I said, we need to find a quiet place. And we're, we're in the DVD section. I was like, we're sitting here, nobody's going to come. And not a bad choice, right? No, I'm trying to remember the last time I purchased a DVD. I mean, it's got to be, I mean, I remember going into like a blockbuster when I was a kid and I would get a video game or do you, I, I don't, I, but I, I, I literally cannot remember the last time I purchased a disc to, to put it into a machine. So no, I think we're in the perfect spot. So, um, when you came in the store, I was looking at, they have a sec table up front with baseball books. So the first thing you do inevitably in your, your, long and legendary career. I'm sure you'll write some books and blah, blah, blah. First thing you do when you own a Barnes & Noble is look to see if you have any, any of your books. They had none of my books. But what they do have here is A Cactus League by Emily Nemens. And I just want to read what it's about because I, I said to you when you watch it, I feel like this book, you don't, you're never going to have to write an autobiography. Okay, it's uh, Jason Goodyear is a star outfielder, but we'll just fill in star beat writer for the Los Angeles Lions. And he's coming apart at the seams. Movie star handsome, paparazzi famous, and spectacularly talented. Goodyear, Alec, is stationed with the rest of the team in the punishingly hot Arizona desert for their annual spring training. As the weeks before the season crawl on and Goodyear's cracks begin to show, the coaches, writers, girl, wives, girlfriends, criminals, and diehard fans are following his every move, eager to find out what exactly is wrong with their star as they hide secrets of their own. Did I just describe your first few weeks of spring training? Movie star Handsome yes. and Alec Lewis go together like pizza and peanut butter like that just shouldn't it should not be a thing the other thing coming apart of the scenes i'm here in arizona in the sun i could be in kansas city in the snow like no i'm very happy to be here i'm not i I, the scenes are stitched together as in baseball verbiage so are you are you um this is your first spring training you cover the royals for the athletic uh you took over during the season last year and this is your first spring training what is it for you thus far covering spring training your first spring training First and foremost, I spent an entire off season. Um, it was my first real baseball off season, and 
you're not around the players, the coaches, the front office every day. So you have to do a lot of phone interviews. And it's something I did in college and even at the end of high school. But I started to get to the point where as much as I felt like I was improving, growing, I had a report for scenes through phone interviews, which is I feel like like you can grow in that. Um, I was really excited to see scenes, be able to report scenes with my own eyes. I mean, that was by February, I was like, okay, I'm I'm as ready as probably the prospect who wants to come out here and impress him. I, I was really excited. But what's it been like? I mean, it's a lot of relaxed conversations, sunburn um, on my face right now, as you could probably yeah. see. But it's a lot of relaxed conversations, kind of just talking to a lot of people that I've talked to in passing, specifically in the baseball season where there's more stress and pressure. It feels like it's a lot more relaxed and it's fun. It's fun to get to know people. I'm, you talk about there's a Rose executive who loves wrestling and I would have never known that. He's talking to me about Gable. I, I would have never, we were talking about Wright Thompson's story and I just would have never known these things. So that's kind of what spring training provides. Of course, you're trying to establish relationships with players and people around the game. So it's been really, really fun, really, really insightful and good, I think. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I actually remember being, so I'm 47, so I, I remember being your age, you're 22. And I remember when a writer's like a Verducci or Ken Rosenthal or whoever, you know, like established writers who have been around a long time, I was more intimidated by those guys than I probably was whoever the Royals third baseman was at the time. And spring training is the access. One of your peers said to me the other day, Verducci's here today. And I was like, oh, well, all right, of course he's going to be here. What is that like for you? I'll tell you, I mean, I have this story of literally earlier this past week, we, we had the Cactus League Media Day is what they called it. And we go to the Omni Hotel in Scottsdale. It's beautiful. There are cabanas. I was like, I could just sit out here and I don't know. They call this work. Rob Manfred does a press conference, which was fine. They walked in. I was sitting on my computer. I wasn't like you mentioned, like I wasn't nervous. It didn't really affect me. And then we go, we talk to the GMs and the managers and you have Andrew Friedman of the Dodgers is in there and um, Joe Madden is in there. It is, it is what it is. And then at the end, it kind of wrapped up. I got kind of what I needed to get. And I've never met Tom Verducci. I, I've, I've read his stuff for a long time. I've watched him on MLB Network. And it, it was that literally, as you described that, I'm thinking at the end, I, I drove with another Royals beat writer and I told him I was like can we wait a second I want to introduce myself to Verducci ultimately he was in a ton of conversations so I never got to do it but I I, it's something I want to do and I do get like there's definitely an anxiety when when you respect someone as much as I respect some of these right I mean you mentioned like Ken I met at the winter meetings and we're we work on the same staff which is almost as crazy it is to say, like to, when I hear that out loud about myself, it's kind of wild. Uh, it's, it is wild. So no, it's definitely something I feel that Verducci story is generally, I can't wait till I can introduce myself, but I know at that moment, I'm going to be nervous when it happens. Would you have called him? Would you have said Mr. Verducci or would you have said Tom or would you have said as my editor used to call him when we were at SI together, Tommy? I probably would have said Tom, but we were talking about this before. I've done the Mr. thing. It, the Royals owner was in town this week, and I felt like I have to call him Mr. Like, I, that was a thing. Um, 
So now I, I probably would have said Tom, but I'll probably think that over the next time I'm in the room. Now I'll think about you asking me this question yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, really yeah. labor over it. I, I, you have not called me Mr. Perlman, and I am very, I'm very disrespected. I just want you to know. So um, you're a, you graduated from Missouri last year. So this has been a pretty quick sort of rise in a weird time in journalism. You, you've landed a really good job. You're, again, you're the beat writer for the Royals. A year ago, you were an undergrad at the University of Missouri. How the fuck did that happen? Um, you said it. It's been kind of crazy. It's been a whirlwind. Every time I'm asked this type of question, two things really come to mind. One, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate. I grew up in a suburb in Alabama. My parents um, had to meet. I had a car when I was 16. They were very, very supportive of me and everything I do. My dad's an attorney. Um, there are times when I think he really loves his job. His dad was an attorney, my grandfather. And then there are times where I really don't think he does. And um, he always said, like, find something you love. Not every parent can do that with their kid and, and does do that. So I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. Now, to go back, I had a car at 16. Um, at that time, I tried out seven times. This is the classic sports art story, right? Tried out seven times for sports teams at my high school, Mountain Brook High School. Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox was in my uncle's class at Mountain Brook High School. Wow. I can't. That was impressive. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I, I had a car, and I, I, I tried out for these teams, didn't make it. So the next step it was funny. I, I had a meeting with the counselor in the upstairs room in the Mountain Brook Junior High School, and the counselor said, you need another class. What about journalism? I, I think at the top of my list, it was like, I want to work in sports. She was like, why don't you write about sports? Initially, I was kind of skeptical. I was like, I don't know. I Like, you want to be that athlete, You really, whatever. She was like, I'm signing you up for it. There's nothing you can do. If you don't want to do it, go in the first day of high school and tell them. So I walk into high school. I remember that first day in journalism and we talk about it and they were like, you know what? Um, we have an opportunity maybe to cover the basketball team. I had a ton of friends that played for the basketball team. And so I just stuck with it. And it was interesting. I remember first story I write is like this block, you know, how like yeah. you transcribe and it's literally a block of text. And I remember the, the editor who was a professor, uh, I mean, a, a teacher at school was like, Alec, you, you, sports writing, you kind of break it up. It's funny at that age, um, around that same time. So I covered the, the mountain brook basketball team around that same time. Um, my parents got divorced around that time. And we actually moved in with my mom's dad and my mom's, my mom's dad's house in mountain brook. Otherwise known as your grandfather, my grandfather. Yes. And he got the New York times every day. And I kind of liked the Knicks for some weird reason. So I remember like Howard, it didn't make any yeah, sense, right. still does. Um, but Howard Beck, was, I, I like would read his stuff. I remember I would drink cran apple juice and read Howard Beck in the morning, New York. Very weird. But so I, it, I wrote for the, write it, wrote for the Mountain Brook basketball team. Um, and they won a state championship that first year I covered them. And I started to learn. I was in on press row with other Birmingham news writers. And I remember re emailing just cold emailing, um, that writer. And I was like, if you have opportunities for me to cover high school sports, I would love to. Who was the writer? Um, Jeff Sintel, I believe is his name. He, he covers recruiting in Georgia. Now my junior year, they started to have me string games, um, high school football games on Thursday, Friday nights. This goes back to the car that my parents, provided for me. So I, I, I was able to drive 30 minutes to center point to Pinson Valley restoration Academy, 
track stats on the sideline, write in my car, file it by 1030. And I mean, that was the only way to learn it. And I did. How much were you getting paid per story? It was either 30 or 50. The money just didn't matter. And I'm fortunate that it didn't. Like, I I definitely recognize that. And then as I'm getting older, like become a senior, I'm looking at colleges. And I remember I had a meeting um, at Starbucks with Lars Anderson who lived. Five, oh, yeah. Yeah. Very good I, friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew you would know Lars yeah. five minutes away from my house. He lived, we went to Starbucks. I, I came with a sheet of typed out printed questions to ask him about his journey. You did what Mirren Fader did to me. Exact same thing. hundred yeah. percent. Were you taking notes? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I could literally take you to the table. We sat out at st- sat at, at Starbucks in Cahaba Heights and we talked about schools. He's a professor at Alabama. Um, a lot of my friends were going to Alabama and Auburn, but I, I, I visited Missouri. I really thought the competitive environment, I'm, I'm very competitive. I'm very, um, I, I wanted to put myself in the best position to continue this thing, to learn, to grow. And Lars, Lars recommended, he's like, Missouri always intrigued me. Like, maybe you should go try this. So I, I, Ended up going to Missouri. There were a lot of wannabe sports writers now who are in this field are now colleagues of mine. And they pushed me every single day. And um, obviously the alumni base, like when you have people like Wright and Seth coming back around, Seth Wickersham, mm-hmm. like it, it, it. You just named up. Uh, I feel like you just name dropped. I mean, kind of, it's not like these guys are very close. I'm just saying like you would, it's like, oh my gosh, right. Set like these guys, you read, you study. Yeah. Um, they were, and it just pushes you. And so that from the very first day at Mizzou, that was the environment. I, I just want to acknowledge one thing. You guys are so fucking lucky. The athletic came along. It's not even funny. Like, are, are you aware of how lucky your generation of writers are that this thing came along at that time? It's insane. I started out with fortunate because when I was a freshman in college, the athletic did not exist. Yeah. If you'd have told me at that age, there's going to be this platform online it's with crazy. all. I mean, I would have been like, are, yeah, come on, man. Like, are you, yeah. you like, are you serious? <laughs> You're right. I mean, I, I th- to that point, I mean, when I was a after internships in Milwaukee one summer, I interned for the Columbia Tribune uh, my freshman summer and cover in news covered a goat show. Um, How was it? Was it was it good? It was a real. I wrote a story on a on a um, a young boy who had this disorder, but he 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 was really passionate about it. I have to go back and and refresh. But I covered a, a ton of like a sidewalk creation. I wrote a story about light hubs. I learned a lot about talking to people that I would never talk to. Yeah. Um, and then sophomore summer, interned in Milwaukee, got to do a ton of stuff with the Journal Sentinel newspaper and sports. And then junior summer, interned with Yahoo Sports. And then it led to an opportunity with with the Athletic, which I had subscribed and read. Um, as a contractor covering Missouri football the fall of my senior year. And that was, I mean, I was fortunate. I was fortunate that for some reason they reached out to me. I think because of my age, I, they knew that I was accessible. And also, I, 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 again, the money to me just wasn't at that time the biggest factor. So I just want to say one thing. People always say in this business, that guy busts his ass. Right? Like, you bust your ass. So say about me, I, he busts his ass. But if you think about it, it's also like, I had the exact same thing. My parents let me use the car. Money was not that important to me. Whatever my internship, I was going to get paid. It was totally fine. And I just think when people are like, those guys just bust their ass and that's why they do it. It's a lot of, a lot of factors that play into this, you know? A hundred percent. So many factors, the, the variables that, I mean, the people that you run across at certain time, you can't ever put enough into just situationally how much that matters. I mean, 
during college, you mentioned the car. Like, I'm not working in college beyond classes, and, and I was stringing for the Columbia Tribune on Friday nights, but I, I had enough money probably for my parents to go drive to Centralia, Missouri and cover a high school football yeah. game. Again, like, that really helped me, and it was important, and, and not everyone is – fortunate enough. So it, it's something I, I never, ever take for granted. But I always I always knew and I always say this. It was like I knew I was fortunate, but I, that, I can't let I can't just write off. Like if I want to do this, I don't have any connection. My parents don't know anybody in this business. I'm going to have to go out and just do it as best I can and learn on the fly. And so Missouri really provided that. But I also I, I talked to as many people as possible to put myself in positions that made me uncomfortable, frankly. And, and, and that's, I think part of the reason why I was able to be fortunate enough to meet certain people. It's, it all works. It's all kind of a cyclical thing. So how'd you land the athletic job specifically? So I, I contracted for Missouri football in the fall of my senior year. And with the athletic? With the athletic, yes. I would do a story a week, and I'll be honest with you. I would do features. It's a really kind of interesting market. The Missouri athletics communications is really difficult to work with. But I, I was really proud of the kind of the growth. Um, the team really struggled, so the readership was not good. What was the record of the Missouri Tigers? Oh goodness! I mean, I want to say six and six, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they were at, maybe they were seven and five, but it was a struggle to get people to read. You're only write, writing a story a week, and I remember my editor Brendan Roberts, who's my editor now, and I clashed a good bit. I was trying to explain what I thought, but he's been in the business for a long time, so I deferred to him, and and so I finished the season, and. I didn't talk to Brendan. Um, I mean, I, I like happy holidays. Hope you're well. Um, I think I cold emailed Paul Fichtenbaum at one point, mm-hmm. reaching out about a story I'd done um, in January of last year, 2019. And I think in February, I I got a random email or text or call from Brendan like, hey, man, hope all is well. Um, and it was random. Like it was senior year. I'm trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had applied to internships and done that whole process. And I remember he called me, Brendan did, and we talked for a while. What would you want to do? What kind of interest would you have? What about baseball? And this was like February of 2019. I had covered some Brewer stuff when I interned in Milwaukee. I'd covered some Dodgers when I interned in Los Angeles. But baseball of all the sports, probably, I mean, I, it was probably the most uncomfortable situation for me. I grew up playing, but I just, it was, I didn't watch a ton of it. I didn't follow a ton of it, but it intrigued me because I didn't know that much about it. And I, I knew like the minor leagues were fascinating. I worked at a minor league stadium when I was a senior in high school. Um, so I was at the Birmingham Barons where Jordan played yep, actually. Yep. So it fascinated me. And, and so on that call, I told him, I was like, I, I, it's not my most comfortable thing, but it really intrigues me. And if there's any opportunity, I would love to play a part. It goes really quick. A week later, I get another call. Um, well, we have we might have this position where you could help us in Kansas City covering the Royals. Uh, <laughs> I told him, I mean, I, I remember the phone call. I, I talked to my dad. I talked to Brendan. I, I, I told him if this were to happen, I'll, I'll read as much as possible about the Royals. I'll baseball. I'll be on fan graph. I'm going to do as much as I can. Like days later, I'm on a call with Dan Kaufman, who's one of our editors. And um, he kind of was fielding interest for me. And we ran through my story. And 
I think a week later, it was like, okay. We you were still in college at this point. Still in college. I remember I would go to class and I would come back and I would have these phone calls and I would get back to the apartment. And, I, and it was it was wild because the athletic, especially, I mean, the entire web, I mean, I, it's what I read. It's like, to me, it was, how do I learn? Well, you read a lot of writers at the athletic. So I was really humbled by the whole thing, but it worked. It was a whirlwind in terms of how quickly it happened. Um, they end up offering me the job in February and, uh, at February the, at and you're the, graduating it, in June. I'm graduating in May. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So they, they end up offering me a job situationally. They're like, look, you take as much time to do whatever you can from February to June. Rustin Dodd, who covered the Royals at the time, will continue to do it before he moves into <laughs> his new role. Um, and, and, but they were like, we want you to go spring training. So I'm like, how do I find there? We don't have spring break at Mizzou and I'm, I'm trying to finish classes. Like some of the classes were kind of, I took a grammar class, um, last semester, senior year. That was as, as, as in the weeds, like second grade, third grade grammar as possible. I really needed it. It was a magazine editing class. It's one of the pinnacle classes at Mizzou. Um, and I was like struggling a little bit in terms of, but they wanted me to go to spring training. I remember my dad was like, Alec, you have to finish school. This is your, you've done. And I had to kind of coax him into, trust me, I think I can make this work. So I booked a week trip to surprise Arizona in the middle of the school year. I was like, I'll skip a week of school and, and work with my professors about it. I, were I, they all, did you actually tell each one, look, here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal? Yeah, so there were a few, few of them for like, you're writing for who? Like, what are you? They just yeah. weren't that familiar with the athletic. And and some of them were really not happy about it. They were like, look, you're, I, I'm looking at your attendance right now. I'm looking at your like schedule. Um, and I just don't know how this is going to be possible. But I, I, I was like, I'll do the extra work. I'll do whatever I can. I was kind of just trying to, You're I right. mean, you do whatever you of can. Course. Um, but some of them, I mean, there were like some heated conversations, like you're, you're really, I don't know if this is the right thing for you, but I ended up just rolling with it. And so I fly to surprise. I remember I walk in the clubhouse the first day and it was just, I mean, my, my eyes are bulging. There's a lot going on. Rustin thankfully introduced me to a ton of people, but I still didn't really know what was going on. I remember we had a hour session with Royals general manager Dayton Moore. They're asking him baseball questions, Royals question, roster questions, and I was sitting there like I have no idea. Who's number seven? Who's right. Number, yeah. No, like they were naming certain prospects and 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 certain situations in, in macro in the macro conversations of baseball, and I I, I, I it was genuinely like scary for me. I was like, I'm about to step into this whole thing. Um, so I stay the whole week in an Airbnb with another family in <laughs> surprise. Nice. Like it was like cheapest way you can do it. Yeah. And then I go back to school and on the weekends I would commute when the game started, I would commute to Kansas city and do like a one-off feature and try to just kind of introduce myself. Um, I graduate in May. My parents fly to Columbia for graduation and then two days later, I drive to St. Louis, Bush Stadium, I-70 Series, Royals, Cardinals, and I'm the beat guy. Ever since. Ever since, it's been just full steam. Um, I think I took one week off maybe in, at some point in November, but it really didn't feel like a week off. I was reporting, doing some stuff. It, 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 like when I said at the top, it's been a whirlwind. It has been a learning experience in some form or fashion every single day and the uncomfort still exists. The anxiety of it still exists. But I, I, I think I love that. Like I, I, 
it's really fun for me to learn about something I'm not very familiar with. I don't try to play like I'm some baseball. I, I don't. I remember today I asked the, one of the bullpen coaches something about pitching, and he was like looking at me. I'm like, trust me, I don't. I don't know what I'm asking, but anything you could provide. And I, the Rose organization and a lot of the staffers have been really forthcoming and 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 so i that was another fortunate fact like some people could be like who is this 22 year why does he have this opportunity but a lot of people have not been like that and again i i I, i'm very fortunate of that i just think one of the great tools that's underutilized in this profession is admitting to someone that you don't know something like there's nothing wrong with you saying to them look i do not know enough about baseball even saying literally even saying I am not an expert on baseball. I'm trying to become one. I'm not an expert. So if you could have some patience, I swear to God, I actually think that works for you more than against you. I 100% agree. Today I was in the clubhouse and I, again, this pitching, I'm trying to do this story on this pitcher who's really intuitive, cognitive. He, he gave me this crazy quote about how baseball and pitching mutates into certain habits. It was fascinating. Who's but a I, pitcher? Who's a pitcher? Josh Stalmont. So I'm, I'm kind of working through this story, talk to his um, the guy he worked with in the offseason and then his, the area scout that discovered him. Um, he th- The other day, he threw 102 miles per hour consistently. It was pretty wowing. And I was curious, last year he averaged 96 miles per hour. I was, I was curious, like, how does that velocity jump happen? And I talked to one of his coaches who was talking this offseason who was talking to me about the way he pulls the ball out of his glove and his arm slot. Uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to explain. Um, ends up if he grips it too hard, it affects the velocity. And I, I was like, I don't really understand this. I want to talk to him about it. I want to talk to the coach about it. And I, I, at this point, as I sit here right now, needing this story at some point soon, I'm not sure if I have a total grasp on it. So it probably means more phone conversations. But I think I, I went up to him today and I said, Josh, like, you're going to think I'm crazy probably, but I genuinely have no idea what I'm talking about with this. Can you kind of describe it? He was like playing a game on his iPhone and during the club. And I, he could be like, man, I, like not right now, but he didn't. And he really was kind of into teaching me about it and, and talking to me about it. I think that's 100% true. Every conversation I have, I mean, hitting, pitching, people, emotion. Like I, I don't know what people go through specifically professional athletes to act like a do would be naive right. um and that's the fun part getting to learn about it up close to access that we have and that's the gift that that that's why it's hard for me to walk in there and be mad or upset one day and i know like you can't always be happy and you have other stuff going on in your life but every day specifically the spring training i'm trying to go in like i have this opportunity to be in this clubhouse um to be around these people and to report by talking and through conversation and that's a gift to be able to have before we continue with two writers slinging yang a quick word from our sponsors hey this is jeff perlman i'm here with my daughter casey who just dyed her hair pink technically it's beat that's fine but i don't get it what are you going for attention no is it a statement of independence from your domineering parents no an ode to cindy lopper i don't know who that is so why why put me through this torture you're a good child Honestly, I just needed something to match my new beet-colored California Sun World Football League sweatshirt from 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise, the one you ordered for me at 503-sports.com. If you bought me a brown Memphis Southman sweatshirt, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Oh, fine. I'll just get you one of those. It's too late. I found my inner lopper. Is it at all? So when I was covering baseball, 
you would have to, all right, the, uh, the obstacles would be number one, players would hide in the lunchrooms. And number two, players would pretend they were reading a magazine. And I feel like nowadays, the number one obstacle is them on their phones and headphones on, watching a movie, pretending they're watching a movie on a phone call, pretending they're on a phone call, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I haven't asked anyone about that. It seems like a real problem. Not problem, but obstacle. Am I wrong or, or right? The AirPods is the toughest one. You're, they have their AirPods in, they're on their computer, and you're, I mean, on their phone, and you're sitting there like, are they listening to something? Can I grab them? Are they? So what do you do? If they're, if they're, if they have their AirPods in or on their phone, I usually just, I, I, I like to give them their space. I mean, I get it. I'm around all the time in the clubhouse as all of us writers are and, and have to be, that's our job. But I, I try to give them space when need be. But I, I also, I mean, I don't know if this is an okay thing to say, but I, I try to do a lot of, if they're coming off the field, I'll try to grab them. Um, if after their workout, specifically in spring training, they're out and about and the coaches are. And so why would you not grab that? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, sometimes it's just to ask a question, not even on the record. It just, I I'm curious. So the clubhouse is sometimes, I think even in this day and age, because it's such a, it's kind of this like boiling pot of, of reporters standing around waiting to talk to you. I almost feel like outside of that is a better, more seamless kind of natural way to talk to somebody. So sometimes, I mean, I know that's, it's an interesting thing and Royals PR would be like, what? But, um, I mean, that's, that's how I feel. I like having genuine conversations with people and in the awkward dance of being in a baseball clubhouse and trying to, um, get someone's attention or hold clubhouses are the worst. It's the most fascinating thing in the world. Like you try to make it normal, even when you're not recording them, it's like, there's space between you. I, can't, I My dad asks me all the time, like, what's it like? I, I genuinely cannot describe it. You're talking to someone who, like, kind of wants to talk to you, but kind of doesn't, sometimes really doesn't. Wait, I can describe this easily. Easily. It's 12th grade, Mayo Pack High School. I really want to ask out Teresa McClure. <laughs> she does not want me to ask her out. I go up to her. She can tell I'm about to ask her out from my body language. She takes two steps away from me, and I'm saying, hey, Teresa, and she's trying to think, how can I tell him not now? That is the major league clubhouse so many times. Or like they turn and fiddle with their locker <laughs> or something like this is like, or they, they're pulling out their bats and they're cleaning their yeah. cleats. It, it's, it's the most, you're trying to gauge body language the entire time and they're doing the same thing like you kind of lean one way and they think you're coming over it's it is it's like one of the most fascinating things in the world i'm gonna play um old writer young writer with you which is this there's a story you wrote and i have an issue with it but it's not a terrible issue all right but i was reading it and i thought i don't know so i'm gonna we're old writer young writer okay you wrote a profile and it was an excellent profile is it Eric Skoglund, is that how you pronounce it? Yep. All right, Eric Skoglund. It's, the headline is, The Royals' Eric Skoglund on 2020. It's a make-or-break season man. That was his quote. From February 14th. Your lead was, A year ago this weekend, Eric Skoglund was standing inside the Kansas City Royals spring training facility answering questions from a scrum of reporters about an 80-game suspension. That was spring training 2019. There was a backdrop of Royals logos behind him. He was looking down and speaking slowly, almost as if he found it painful to simply talk. Now, a year later, there was no pain, nor any backdrop, nor any scrum. It's a really good story. And here's one area, though. <laughs> I'm not saying you were wrong, though. I just It really caught me as interesting. I love having these kind of topics. All right. Last spring, Major League Baseball found Skoglin with uh, two banned substances in his body. 
The positive tests were for two selective androgen receptor modulators. When Scoglin heard about the failed test, he said he couldn't believe it and scrambled to find out how it happened. We have no idea, and that was the hardest part, he said. Something got into my body without me knowing. It was scary. It was this kind of makes you think, what could it have been? And then you wrote, the circumstances weren't ideal for anybody, nor for the Royals, nor for the fans, not for Scoglin himself. I don't believe him. I just don't believe him. I don't believe 90% of these guys who say, because it's always the same thing. Oh, I must have, it must be in my shampoo. It's, I swear to God, it's not a criticism because there are a million ways to play this. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of wondering, I'm pushing this guy a little harder on, did he use it? But maybe you did. No, you know, it's funny. I, I, in a story like this, it's something I thought about 100%. I think that line you read a little bit after, like this wasn't what anybody wanted. Right. Um, kind of, I think that's the point I really, at that point, wanted to make. But to your to your point, like, I don't think you're playing old rider, young rider. It's not like I wasn't skeptical. Like, of course. No, this is where you're supposed to say, you're not old. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Uh, right. No, but I mean, it's an interesting thing. I, I think um, as I was going through it, and reading what had been written last year at this time. And it was a, the, the, and I get where you could probably poke a hole in this too, but the organization really backed him. And I think it meant something to me, like even the general manager came out and said something to the effect of like, we, we, we stand by our guy. And again, you could poke holes sure. in that pretty easily, but um, no, I mean, the, the ultimate story was about a guy maturing, and I, I just – I think I probably there allowed his words to speak a little more than it than it should, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, wait. Here's my question, though, that's interesting. I said this to my wife the other day. At 47, I'm a million times more blunt than I was at 22, right? A million times. I'm more – I'm more like, well, what the fuck really happened? Like, that's kind of me now. And when I was your age, I was not that guy at all. I was much more kind of passive and a little nervous around these guys. And I'm not saying you are. It is hard to ask those questions. It's not easy. A hundred percent. I mean, when you're approaching a subject that, I mean, that's about as the perception of taking steroids in baseball. I mean, the perception of a pe- of a person that does that, I mean, it, it shapes the entire perception of a person. And so a hundred percent, it's like hard when I'm standing there with Eric Skoglin, who's in a very good mindset who's who I mean I've spoke to coaches and other people who have spoken about his maturity and have spent a lot of time with them that's probably why I I I leaned on that probably maybe a little bit but I I, it's a hundred percent difficult to ask those questions and at my age to your point I mean I think there's part of it where you you want to be as fair as possible you don't want to paint a you don't want um a certain guy to, to view like you're out to get them. Yeah. So maybe I think about that too much. I mean, maybe it's hard. It is. It's a, it's a delicate balance. You like, you have to ask these questions and it is uncomfortable and you have to be honest and fair. And it, it's, it's not the easiest thing at times. It's, it's an interesting thing. The Royals won 59 games last year. They're not a good team. They're probably not going to be a good team. We can all talk young and blah, blah, blah. And maybe they win 73 games this year. And that's a victory. This covering a shit team come with challenges right when i got the job i emailed joe poznanski who had obviously columnist in kansas city for the mm-hmm. longest time covered a lot of royals teams that struggled and i asked him knowing that it was probably going to be a pretty tough year like what would you recommend like obviously young sports writer advice what would you provide and the two things he said to me were the things that always seem to play are are things that 
men and women at sitting at bars can talk about some funny stuff, goofy stuff, interesting little quirks. And then the prospects who, who provide optimism for the future. And so throughout the year, that's kind of what we, we, we hammered. I mean, I, I, I went and watched prospects. Um, I, I talked to their families. I talked to the scouts who discovered them, talked to the front office about them. Um, and then there were certain, like I did a story, Jorge Soler broke the Royals home run record and um, the ball went in the fountain and they retrieved it. And I was curious, like, how important is this ball? How do they get it? What's the process? So I went out there and talked to them. And I've been thinking about that a lot recently in spring training because they put us in these press boxes. And I've always had this thing like our job is to be able to put someone in a place and, and provide sounds and smells and sights to where they can't go. But for some reason we sit behind a computer miles up checking Twitter where we right like and so I, I've started to do this thing where I before every game I'll walk around the stadium because I it, maybe I'll see something that I wouldn't otherwise notice and then during the game probably in part because I want exercise and I'm sitting there eating nachos and hot whatever um, I'll just go down and sit kind of behind home plate and hear what I hear why am I sitting during spring training behind a computer with Twitter when there are scouts down there, there are fans who fly over all yeah. over the world, the coaches talking to each other, the players yelling at each other. Why wouldn't I like try to hear that and add that in the I just I think it's fascinating that we sit behind a desk uh, with a computer in front of us. I, I just want to say today I was walking the concourse of the game. There's Indians Royals here in Surprise. And I'm just walking around and Willie Wilson, legendary Royal Willie Wilson, is sitting at a table. Uh, signing balls, but nobody's coming up to him. Just Willie Wilson sitting there. What an amazing scene. What an amazing scene. Willie Wilson, a you know symbol of the glory years of Orioles baseball, sitting by himself, kind of bored with a pen in his hand. I love that stuff. Like I could write about, I would rather read about that than Royals 6, Indians 3, and exhibition baseball. So I've, there's another story, like Bubba Starling is this former first round pick um, from Gardner Edgerton, Kansas, for the Royal. He debuted last year. And during his debut, I mean, I was going to write the scene story of what that day was like for people there, for himself, for his family. And during the game, I like walked down, I sat behind on plate, turned to this guy next to me. I was like, this is pretty cool, isn't it? He's wearing a, I don't know if I should say this, he's wearing a, a collar shirt with the Boris Corporation logo. It's not Scott Boris, but um, we ended up getting a cover. He said, for me, I've been waiting for this for a long time. We start talking. It turns out it's Bubba's agent who works for Boris Corporation. And and he and we spoke and then he and, and I would have never known that who Bubba's agent was. I would have never known how much that meant to him. He teared up a little bit watching Bubba walk to the plate to crazy train blasting on the speakers. And and if I hadn't have gone down, if I'd have sat behind my computer and tweeted that Bubba Starling did X and Y and Z, I would have that would have never happened. And so the more I as we talk about it, like you're walking around, you see Willie Wilson. Now I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I see Willie go, Wilson? Right. Yeah. Like why why I mean I watched the young pitchers and I saw certain things and that's important because when you talk to them and you talk to the, the manager, it's, it's good to, for them to know that you care and you, mm-hmm. you're focused and trying to learn and improve. Um, but that stuff is the Willie Wilson stuff is the stuff that people, to Posnanski's point, like that's people remember the, you'll be able to tell somebody you told me that you, you're not going to tell me anything about the game, but you remember you saw this guy. I mean, that's what sticks with people. The stories, um, like this, that's why I, I, I write it. If you go through my athletic profile, you're going to see seen at the top probably every single time. And, 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 
probably it's just because I view it as like when I grew up reading stories and watching certain films and I've read Wright Thompson and other people say this, but like you want to create this world you want to put someone there in this day and age. We're all in our phones and like wrapped up in what's going on. So I find it fascinating if I can take a story and get someone to be wrapped up in a character in a scene in a place. That's that should be my job. Let me ask you the last question. You're 22. I'm 47. We're both in the Royals Clubhouse writing similar stories. Who has the advantage? The Royals Clubhouse is a really young clubhouse. From like 21 to 28, I feel like I can probably connect a lot better mm-hmm. than a 47. That's young, Joe. 47. It is really young. Yeah. It is quite young. Yeah. Um, it's Mr. Perlman, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But no, I feel like at that age level, like I, I can connect because we, we, we've grown up with a lot of similar things. Yeah. We've just, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like naturally yeah. it makes sense. With a lot of these prospects having written about them last year and now they're in big league camp, I have this relationship that I think some other writers might not have. And that's just the benefit of AR model, like probably propelled me to go write about them. Um, but also I think my age definitely plays a factor. It's you, I think maybe they feel like they have more room for error with the young kid. Yeah. And I think that, um, that can benefit me in some form or fashion. But I think about it a lot. It's, it's something like Whit Merrifield's uh, uh, probably the Royals most decorated player right now beyond Salvador Perez and Alex Gordon. But that's, a, that's an indictment of the Royals. Sorry. Oh it, it's like, Witt's, Witt's highly respected. He was last year's Royals All-Star. He's like 30-31, and we connect in a way. We talked about the Masters I was wearing today, but um, I feel like he has a better relationship with some of the older writers. So it, it, it's something I think about too, but that's just the fabric of the clubhouse in the baseball clubhouse that yeah. I, it's it's like it's just really hard to replicate and really hard to describe i just want to wrap by saying two things number one you heard it here first kansas city royals 2020 world series champions if the, everyone else the royals will be very happy yeah, the royals will be very i'll tell you this oh come on what no, are you gonna say i'll tell you this in yeah. 2015 when the royals won the world series the projection had them at 72 wins okay so this is part of me being oh really naive, Jeff. That's like Bernie Sanders really can win this election. <laughs> if you just look at this is part of me being really naive. It's like I don't I genuinely don't know. Like do I think the Royals pitching is as the debt like no, but All right, um, wait, I have to interrupt you. I have to say this. When I was at Sports Illustrated, I was always on the I was given the Royals all the time. I was a Royals guy because Verducci would get the Yankees and the Dodgers and I would get teams like the Royals. And the Royals, back when I was covering, had Mike Sweeney at first, Carlos Fables at second, Ray Sanchez at short, Joe Randa at third. Their outfield, which was amazing, was Jermaine Dye, Carlos Beltran, and Johnny Damon. And I would tell SI every year, I am telling you, this team is going to win the division. They're going to blah, blah, blah. And they'd always wind up like 71 and whatever. So I'm just saying, your odds are not good. I'll tell you this. If anything I've learned, if you take away anything I've learned about covering baseball, and like it is a weird and really difficult sport. I mean, we mentioned Josh Stama, but he told me, like, I think the line he used was the habitual things that you might do every day mutate into habits that you would never expect because this is baseball. And oh, it's, it's this weird, crazy, but that's it's literally what it is. I don't pretend to act like I pro- the projections matter or don't matter. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Biggest cliche in the world. When you show up at the ballpark, you'll see something you didn't expect. But this is how it goes. I will counter that quote with a closing quote from Emily Nemins in her classic, The Cactus League. And in watching Tammy take the stage, 
I can assure you, it isn't wrong place, wrong time as it's happening. To get Jason Goodyear in her thrall, to share a meal with him, to have their bodies close, (laughs) to imagine them closer, is a thrill. Thank you for appearing on Two Riders Slinging the Egg. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. This was this was really fun sitting uh, crisscross applesauce underneath the DVDs. I've enjoyed yep. this. Um, I really appreciate your ha- you having me, and I'm planning to go find Willie Wilson. Uh, Better tomorrow. tomorrow. They have a different legend every day sitting out there signing autographs. I'll go be there. Him. Yeah, go get him. I want to thank today's guest, Alec Lewis, for joining me on Two Writers Slinging Yang. You can follow Alec on Twitter at Alec underscore Lewis and read his work in The Athletic. One can listen to Two Writers Slinging Yang on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and reviews are always appreciated. Music is by the slick MC White Owl. Thanks again for joining me, and remember, keep writing. <laughs>